Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Get to know people inside of search firms if you're really ready. I mean, you've got to be 50 years old, 48. You can't be 32 trying to get on a board unless your last name is Musk, right? Then you could probably get on a board. This can't be it. There has to be more. Wait, am I crazy? No. If you're yearning for more and working hard to make your dreams a reality, then you're in the right place. Welcome to Dreamcatchers. It's the only show committed to helping you self-actualize and then transcend, leaving you with the legacy you've always desired. Listen in on conversations with successful philanthropists, entrepreneurs, and founders every week as we connect with them for inspiration, education, and direction. Your host, Jerome Myers, is here to help you exit the matrix and transform into a leader of your own revolution. The question is, do you believe your dreams should be real? Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Dreamcatchers podcast. I'm your host, Jerome, and we are going down to, I'm going to call it South Beach, but she might not be on South Beach. We're in Miami, ladies. She's in South Beach, ladies and gentlemen. I've got Daphne Jones with me today. Daphne, how are you? I am well. I am successful. I'm alive. I'm blessed. I'm saved. I'm grateful. And you're a big deal. You might not say it, but I will. Ladies and gentlemen, I got the book in my hand. It's a playbook. When when they say you won't. And it's written by Daphne E. Jones. So what inspired you to write this book? Because the title says a lot. And I just know there's an interesting story behind this. Yeah, it's hopefully interesting, but it's certainly real. I wrote the 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 book because of my life experiences. And I have a role model, Harriet Tubman, and she, I have a picture of her at my home in New York, and she is pushing forward in one, in one direction. She's got a lantern in her, in her left hand. She's got a shotgun under her arm because she may have to do some work and she's pushing forward. And I assume that's North and that she's going, but it doesn't stop there, Jerome. She, what she has in her right hand is outstretched. And she's got the enslaved people that are coming along with her. And so I call that the push and pull process where she's pushing in improving herself, going to new areas, leveling up herself. And at the same time, she's bringing folks along with her. So the reason why I wrote the book is because that's what Harriet would do. Harriet would 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 go to a certain place and she would say, come on, y'all, you, you can do it too. This is how you do it. Right. And and so, but my background was that I started out as a as an immigrant. My mom and dad were from Jamaica. 
They were undereducated. Uh, my mom cleaned bedpans in a hospital. My father worked a midnight shift at a, at a factory. And But my mother always said, Daphne, you got to learn how to think above your real lived experiences. So I know we're here. I know we don't have a dishwasher. In fact, no, Daphne, you're the dishwasher. But we don't have a washing machine. We don't have air conditioning. We had one bathroom that housed six people. Even though we have all that, know that you can be greater if your mind says, whoever has your mind has you. So I said, okay, mommy, thank you. And so I thought that was it. Thought that's how life was going to be. That's what mommy said. And then she told me to go out into the alley because we had, we lived on an alley and alley is just like one of those, it, it's a made up road that is behind people's houses. And it's not a street that has no name, you know, like a street name, it's the alley behind your house. And it had rocks. And she said, Daphne, go out and get two plus two rocks. And Jerome, if I brought back anything other than four rocks, th then I'd get the switch. And so mm -hmm. I, she did that, taught me, I love to read. She taught me about reading, you know, and Hardy Boys mystery and, and Nancy Drew mysteries and all that. And then I ended up skipping first grade. And so I'm living above my circumstances, doing well in school. Then I go to high school, doing well. I'm, I, I sing, I'm a pom-pom girl, I'm a lassie. I do all these great things. And then I said to my high school counselor, okay, I'm ready to go to college. He said, college, black girls like you don't go to college. You, they become secretaries. And he said, because if you try to get in, you won't get in. If you get in, you won't get out, meaning you won't graduate. And then if you do get out, no one will hire you. And, and I'm like, really? Okay. So I took shorthand. I had already taken shorthand. I took typing. And I ended up going to secretarial school. And then I realized through a bad performance as a secretary that I shouldn't be a secretary. I should have a secretary. And so from that point on, I realized that sometimes the audio of what somebody says to you doesn't match the video that's playing out in your life. And, and sometimes people are just plain wrong. And so I've had to live my life realizing that I have to set what I believe is right because whoever's telling me stuff may have other motives and may be wrong. So I wrote the book because there are people that tell me that I won't win. And I said, I have to tell other people that what people tell them is just a bunch of baloney. And, you know, it, 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 the word is not impossible. The word is inevitable. You know, Roger Bannister didn't think he could run. The, well, he, he thought he could. Nobody thought he could run the mile in under four minutes. It was impossible. But Roger Bannister found a way to do it in three minutes and 58, 59 seconds. Now people run the four minute mile in three minutes and 20 seconds or whatever. Nobody ever thought that a Supreme Court justice could be a black female thought that was impossible. No, it wasn't impossible. It was just inevitable. So the winning that we have is inevitable. And I want people to know that. And that's what's behind the book. Winning is inevitable. Is there a but or a if that follows that? No, you have to find a way to win. Period. Period. Find a way to win. If somebody, you know, call, you know you're trying to reach somebody and, and, and you can't reach them, what do you do? You just like say, oh, I didn't reach him. You're not finding a way to win. What's another way you could reach out to somebody? What's another way you could go through that wall? Do you have to go through it? Do you have to find a buddy who has some dynamite? I mean, there's ways to win. So they say how you, how you see the problem usually is the problem. And so you find a way to win. Now, I'm not saying that everything. I mean, can I, can I, can I jump off a 30-story building and, and live? 
Yeah, if I have the right equipment, but if I don't know, I will die. So it's not that everything is is possible. It's but you have to define what winning is and and winning needs to be smart, right? Specific, measurable, achievable, realistic and time bound. And so the whole and and that's what we cover in the book is your def- definition of winning needs to be within that 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 framework. So yeah, you just got to find a way to win. Love it. Love it. Love it. And so it's about being resourceful and not so much about all the resources being available to you or being in the optimal situation. Fair? Yeah, that's fair. It's a growth mindset. It's your mindset. If you believe that you have all the resources that you will ever need and there's no more available to you, that's a fixed mindset and you will be stuck where you are. If you have a growth mindset and says, you know what? I know there's resources out there that are for me that'll help me to win. I know I haven't learned all I can learn. I know that I haven't achieved all I can achieve. If you have that mindset, then you're going to be intellectually curious and you're going to go after things and you're going to say, I know this is not all there is. But if you say that's all there is, that's your, there's thoughts, actions, and results. If you think a certain way, you're going to act a certain way. I think that everything is already done. I'm going to act like it's already done. And the results will be, you didn't get anywhere because it was already done. And so if you don't like the outcomes that you have, the results that you get, you got to change how you think. You got to think differently. Therefore, you'll act differently and you'll get different results. So a fixed mindset will give you fixed results. A growth mindset will give you growth-oriented results. I love that. Thank you. We were, I was doing a talk yesterday on mindset and I, I introduced the concept of programming as a box before the thinking. And so the programming informs the thoughts and then thoughts inform the feelings and then action, get results, reinform the thing. And the example that I use with you got to change the program is if I print out a piece of paper and then I use whiteout to correct the issue since you you were doing shorthand, right? This is perfect. I corrected on the actual paper instead of in the word processor or in Word or in the computer, when somebody else asked me to print off a new copy, you'll have the still same error, right? And That's so we got to change the actual source code in order to get a different outcome. And so I, I love that you brought that up because some people just want to replicate what's on the the outcome, right? They see somebody that's had the success that you've had, and we haven't talked about this, right? Like you're a big deal. Like what was your last role in corporate America? My last role, well, I'm still in corporate America, but I serve a different capacity. But my as an employee, mm-hmm. uh, I was a senior vice president and chief information officer at GE Healthcare. And GE Healthcare was a $19 billion business, part of GE. And I had accountability for $13 billion of the business. Right. And so I suspect when you look to the left and the right, you didn't see many women that look <laughs> like you, right? You didn't see many women in general, I would suspect, but you didn't see many people who look like you, right? Yeah, I was the highest ranking African-American in all of IT. And, you know, so I was, I'm an IT person. So I was the highest ranking person in all of GE and IT as an African-American. So let's go back because you said you were a secondary. Yeah. And you had a bad performance as a secretary. So how in the world... Does the secretary go to be a CIO with accountability for $13 billion in revenue? I think it's the same way that a child learns how to crawl and then then learns how to walk. 
I think it's the same way that a child learns how to walk and learns how to run, how to eat different food. You go from an, from wherever you are and you say in your mind, I know because these guys that are, I was at Women's Day magazine and it was run by a bunch of men, white men. So like that, that also taught me something that life is not congruous. There should be women in these offices running the Women's Day magazine, but there weren't. And so I, that was a quick you know, note to self. And, and, and so I said, I, I, I shouldn't be doing this because th- this could not be all I'm doing. I, I, I want to be in there where they are. And, you know, we were in the bullpen. It was almost like Mad Men where we had a bullpen full of, you know, women sitting at their desk typing. And whenever your, your principal calls you in, not principal as in school, but principal as in boss calls you in, you go in with your pad and you sit down on, on the chair and whatever. And so I said, no, I, I need to be in there. But what did they do? They went to college. Oh, okay, they went to college. So all I knew was that I got to go to college. And I didn't know what to major in. I said, okay, this is a business. So I majored in business administration. And so from there, like a baby, you, 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 you have pattern recognition. You, you recognize, okay, in order for me to go from here to here, I'm watching other people, you know, winning. What does winning look like? What is winning where? What does winning, you know, read? And I'm talking about when I say winning, I mean people, right? People who are winning, what are they doing? How are they doing it? Who are they doing it with? When are they not winning? And so pattern recognition allows you to say, not that, but this. Okay, so let me go this way. And you don't always get, trust me, you you know, you don't always get what you thought you were going to get. I've been laid off before. I've been laid off from IBM. And so you don't, it's not a, a success story that went just like that. But every time that you fall down as a child, you learn to get back up and you don't stop learning how to walk. You don't stop learning how to crawl. And then you realize that as you get older, you go from an analyst to a senior analyst. Okay, I want to now be a manager. How do I do that? What are the managers doing? How are they dressing? How, what are they reading? What classes are they going to, right? And then you get a, you get a manager as a mentor and, and they mentor you and they coach you. And then you go to from being a manager to a senior manager. And, and, and as long as you have this mindset that says, I want that, and you may not get that, but you sure as heck won't get that, you know, down below. As long as you, uh, you know, aspire to be higher, you will get some things. I did not know I was going to be a CIO when I was a secretary. I had no idea, but I knew I wanted to win. I knew I wanted to achieve. And I knew that my brain was logical and I was smart and, and I was curious and all those things. And, and you, you find a way to get a place in spite of the negativity, in spite of the microaggressions, in spite of the racism, in spite of people not giving you feedback, in spite of having to fight for your salary to be on par with the other white women. Forget about the white men. It, it, every day was a fight. Every day was a fight. And my book is to help give you the past, the password or the playbook on how do you win each fight. When a man says, when you say something and nobody responds to it in a meeting, but a man repeats it, they call it heat-peating. You know, like three-peat with the, was it the bulls, whatever, three-peat? They call it heat-peat. When, when a man heat-peats you and then he gets a standing ovation for what you said, well, my book talks about how do you handle that in, in, in real time. And so I didn't know I was going to be a, a CIO or a senior vice president or a board member of board of directors like I am today.
And so I'm glad you brought that back because that's where I was going next. Because I was like, well, you know, your last job in corporate America. He's like, well, I'm still in corporate America. Like, yeah, I don't know. You're not on the org chart. So let's talk about that. Yeah, what whoever's on the org chart does report to me. But so I'm not on the org chart. That's correct. Can we talk about board? What, yeah, what does it mean absolutely. to be on the board of directors? I, I love boards. I mean, the boards are basically believe it or not, part of the lifeblood of corporate America. How does one get on a board? I, so let's define a board because I don't think most people know what boards are. And mm. then let's talk about, well, how, how does somebody qualify to be? Sure, sure. So in every organization, whether it's a not-for-profit or a for-profit organization, there's a CEO. There's somebody that's running that company, Right. That CEO reports to the board of directors. So just as you can just envision an org chart that you said I'm not on, you can just envision that above the CEO is us. Okay. The purpose of a board is we have what is called a fiduciary responsibility to the people that invest money in the company. Shareholders. So if you are a shareholder, let's say you own 10 shares of Tesla or a thousand shares of Tesla or 100 shares of Coca-Cola, whatever it is, whatever company that you can invest money in and you own shares in that, my responsibility as a board member, fiduciary-wise, is to be able to put your interest in front of mine and, and make sure that all of the things that Coca-Cola is doing or that Tesla is doing is in your best interest, that we are not taking undue risks, that we have appropriate controls, that there aren't the same people making the money are the same people counting the money. You know, as an example, separation of duties. We're, we're there to make sure that we have a strategy. We are there to make sure we have a fine CEO who can do his or her job. And if they're not, we are there to remove that CEO and put another CEO in their place. We are there to make sure that the compensation that is given to the executive team is on par with their performance. Did they perform well? then they get paid well. Did they perform super well? Then they get paid super well. Did they suck in their performance? Then their performance is going to suck. And so our job is to make sure that it's aligned with the performance and aligned with our peers. So if we're Home Depot, we will make sure that we are in line with Lowe's compensation of their people. We're not going to be Home Depot and Lowe's is up here and we're down here. We're going to make sure we're on par. So those are things that a board does. We oversee. We don't we don't roll up our sleeves. We don't tell people, go here, you know, make 2,500 of that. We oversee and ask questions that are strategic questions that kind of like look around the corner or we, we try to hear things before they make a sound and give perspectives and to make the management team think. I think I have an additional job as a African-American board member, my job is to make sure that slates are diverse. Because if you have a diverse board, <clears throat> and I mean diverse in terms of gender, race, geography, but in my case, it's gender and race. If you have a diverse board and, and there's an opening on the management team, you best believe that this diverse person will ask, can I see the slate? Do you have a diverse person or persons that are on the slate? Because if you have a diverse board, hopefully you'll then have a diverse management team that reports to the CEO. And if you have a diverse management team, then, then you will hopefully have diverse people down below the management team. 
that's how it starts. So my part of my job is to make sure that as you look down the down the organizational chain, you see people that look like me. And so how do you get on a board? You get on a board by having a lot of experience in 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 working in, an, in a business environment. So as as my I've been in business for, you know, over 35, 40 years, I, you know, you have to understand how does a business work? Business, there's there's marketing, there's sales, there's supply chain, distribution, logistics. You have to understand how does a business work? And you have to understand finance. If you're a finance expert and guru, you are ready for almost, well, I shouldn't say ready for, you will be plucked up for from a board just like that. Because finance is the language of the business. And in order to pass the SEC's requirements, Security and Exchange Commission, there has to be at least one or two financial experts on every board. And so because finance, you got to make sure that the numbers are right, that the, the balance sheet is right, the income statement was done correctly and things like that. And so how to get on a board, you just have to know that. And then you have to be discoverable by either a search firm or by other people who are on boards. Your LinkedIn profile needs to reflect that of being board ready. So know your business, understand your superpower. What are you great at? Are you good at taking a company public? Are you good at M&A? Are you good at supply chain? Are you good at people? Are you good at technology? If you're digital and cyber, you like automatically you're great. So know your superpower and then make sure you're discoverable and have people find you and uh, and make sure your LinkedIn profile shows that you're ready. Discoverable. That's, discoverable. That's interesting. A lot of people want to unlock their ultimate potential, but lack the strategy, support and stamina necessary to achieve their major goals. They often try to overcome these challenges by trying to do it on their own, causing frustration, fatigue, and eventually failure. We have developed a model for a center life, aka the red pill, to help them bolster their beliefs, gain clarity on their path to success, and provide accountability as they take action on their goals. When they take the red pill, they rapidly accelerate attainment of their goals and begin to experience a life of significance and impact. Want to find out more? Hop over to JeromeMyers.co. Now, let's get back to the episode. So what made you discover? Was it LinkedIn? Was it your, yeah. you retiring from GE? Like where, where did they find you? Because one, one of the Great things question. I've heard about boards is, well, you know, somebody on the board needs to recommend you to. Yeah. No, not necessarily. So 70% of boards are filled through the through their own network. But I didn't get on this board because I knew somebody on a board. Right. So so yes and no. You know, it, so 30% are through search firms. People think, oh, if I just get to know Corn Ferry or Egon Zender or Russell Reynolds. Yes, get to know people inside of search firms. If you're really ready, I mean, you've got to be 50 years old, 48. You can't be 32 trying to get on a board unless your last name is Musk, right? Then you could probably get on a board, but usually, or, you know, whatever. So usually you got to be in your 50s or, or, or around that. So, but get to know these folks that are on the search firms because, you know, they may want you for a new job at your current level. They may want a new director of whatever for another company. Get to know these people 
Because when you then graduate to be a vice president and then you graduate to be an SVP and they were with you along the way, these search firms were with you and they knew of you and they placed you in these big jobs, then it's natural that they will know you when you're ready to be on a board. So yes, get to know them. But only 30% of board placements happen because of the Egon Zenders and the Corn Fairies of the world. And the 70% is because somebody said, hey, Daphne, I heard of a board opening. You, you interested? Yeah, man, tell me more. So, so you're discoverable by your network. It's not only LinkedIn, it's, you know, it's who you know. And so I'm not sure if you've heard of the notion of pie, P-I-E. Pie is from Harvey Coleman. Get the book. Harvey Coleman is the author. I didn't make it up. It's in my book, but I, but I give him praises. And it's called Organizational Game, Empower Yourself. And he talks about performance is, is important, but it's not sufficient. So there's P-I-E. There's three parts to winning in the game, because it is a game in corporate America. The first letter is P. That is performance. Perform, do your job, get it done early, get it done cheaper. If your budget was a million dollars, get it done in $900,000. If it was due three days from now, get it done by tomorrow. Your performance where you stand out as an exemplary performer. But that's not enough. I in pie is image. Ooh. So it's not, it's about how you look. How do, what is, what is, what do winners look like at this company? Do they all, wear ties and suits or do they wear shorts and jeans or, you know, how do they look? But also your image is your brand. When they know that Jerome was walking into a room and's coming to a meeting, are they like, oh my God, Jerome is coming? We're going to get a lot done today. He is so funny and he's so creative. We're going to get a lot done today. Or do they say Jerome is coming? Oh my God. First of all, he's going to be 20 minutes late and he's always complaining about something. There's always something going on with his, his little family. We always got to hear about it. That's your brand. If your brand is like that, it's unlikely that you're going to be called out to, to get something really important. So your brand precedes you before you walk in a room or before you get on Zoom. And then that's I. Your image is your brand. And your E is who knows you, Jerome? Who, who knows you? Who do you know? And if you are not exposed to the right people that have political capital, have positional capital, you know, like they're on the higher ups and the muggity mugs up here. If they don't know you and they never heard of you, then they will not consider you for that opportunity. They won't. The person that knows you will say, hey, Jerome speaks Spanish. He knows engineering and supply chain. He will be perfect to send to Brazil to open up that new manufacturing facility over there. But if they don't know you, they can't recommend you. So that's the E for exposure. I say all that to say when you go back to board readiness, being on a, getting on a board, who's your E? Who are you exposed to? So you have to have people that either are on boards, that have access to boards, that know a lot about boards, or who have friends that know about boards. So you have to widen your aperture and widen your exposure to people that you may not know. Start speaking at different industry events. Join LinkedIn and, and, and fo follow people that, that are like who you represent. Write a book, write blogs, write articles on Medium. Be discoverable by being out there. Wow. P-I-E, performance, image, exposure. That's it. Performance is not enough. And it's funny, I used to, when I was in corporate, 
I I was running from executive to executive. Hey, how do I get out of the pile? How do I get to the next level? Just do a good job in the job you're in. Yeah, I hear you, but what else? I know, right. just do a good job. It's like, yeah, I don't believe you. There's more to That's this. Right. And then eventually, you know, we had the brand thing. We figured a brand thing out. And they were some of them were kind enough to start mentoring and advocating. And mentoring wasn't enough. I think sponsorship is the game, right? And so That's right. That's right. I had a sponsor or two and things moved and then made some different decisions and navigated the thing. And then I realized like I was working at a company that had somebody's last name on it. And it's like, it doesn't matter how far up I go. I don't have the right last name. Right. And I know a lot of people will say, Hey, if you're building something, you want to sell it, don't put your last name on it. And I put my last name on stuff now because I think it's really important for us to own something and yes, for people to know who owns it. It is. It is. And whenever you get that that to that point where you're like, I'm as high as I can go, you know what? People that are there may not appreciate your superpower and your value, but they do. Somebody else will. And we should not hesitate to, number one, understand our value. What are we worth to other people? And we know we're worth to ourselves. You know, we're, we're, we're highly valuable and, and we're perfectly and, and powerfully made. But financially, what are we worth? It's okay. Go on an interview and find out. And if, if they don't, if you don't, if you don't like, like I said, if you don't like to fish, you're catching, change your bait, go somewhere else, go to another pond and fish and get a different kind of fish. So you retired from, GE, you're doing the board stuff, but I feel you wrote the book, but I feel like that's not it. What else are you doing with, I'll call it your free time? Well, my husband wants to know this answer to that question. He's a pastor. Listen to the episode. Huh? I know, right? I guess he's going to have to find out, but he knows he's a pastor and, you know, I live here and he lives in New York and he's here visiting, you know, so we go back and forth and he, I live here most half the year and and then I live half the year in New York with him. And I try to give him more spare time. The, the last, so I'm doing three B. So part of what's important for me is that we all understand what our bows, our mo's, and our no's are. Bow, mo, and no. I've got three bows. And that's pretty much all I, I work on. Bows are your bodacious objectives. And mo's are your moderate objectives. And your no's, which means no, are your non-essential objectives. And I believe, and so for me, my three bows, of course, I'll, you know, not including my family, it, things I'm working on, are my board work, I'm on three boards, my book, and I'm going to be doing public speaking about my book and about what it stands for and leadership and all that. And then my third thing, my third bow is my company, The Board Curators. And my company, the board curator's role is to teach and help those people of color, those women who have been overlooked, underserved, undervalued, who don't match the demographic of the traditional person who sits on boards, which is usually a white man who is this, a former CEO or former CFO. I'm here to say 
that if you're a, a, an IT person, a marketing person, a, a lawyer, you know, a chief commercial officer or chief human resources officer, you too can get on a board and you can do if you're a woman and if you're black. So my company teaches and curates leaders to become board ready. So all that, when you said, how do you get on a board and what is a board? We teach you everything from the demystification of what a board is to how do you prepare for a board interview? And so that's what I do in my spare time. And that's it. I don't have four bows or five bows. I got three and that's it. And then whatever. So I spend my time doing those things and spending the rest of my time going on vacation with my husband. Vacation. Where's the most, where, where's the last spot you went or the most interesting spot you've been? Oh boy. Well, I've gone to every, I've gone to every continent except Antarctica. So the most interesting one for me was, I'd say it was India. Did you ride an elephant? Uh, yes. And I've also gone to Dubai and I've ridden a camel and done the sand surfing in, in Dubai. But I say India because it is so diverse in in the climate and extreme poverty to extreme wealth to snow-capped mountains to southern India where it's spicy food and northern India. So I think that's the most interesting place. But we like cruising. So we're going on a cruise next month and in, in, I guess not even, yeah, about 30 days from now. And we're, we always go to the Caribbean. We're from Jamaica. And so we just tend to like to go to the Caribbean. We you know, I, I want to go to Greece. I've never been to Greece. I've been to Europe a hundred times, but never been to Greece. And I want to go to Turkey and places like that in the Mediterranean. But well, we love to cruise. He loves to cruise. I love it. So where can people get when, when they say you won't? Well, they can get it at Amazon.com. And they can go to my website if they want to, you know, peruse my website, Daphne at DaphneEJones.com. And, and I'll say it again, Daphne, D-A-P-H-N-E-E Jones. So DaphneEJones.com. And then you can do a forward slash and type in book and it'll take you right to the book landing page, or you can just, you know, kind of hang around in my website. But yeah, and Barnes & Noble probably has it, but Amazon is an easy, quick way to get it. Daphne, you are a dream catcher, madam. Mm. You have hushed what I will call the noise, the white noise, the people telling you you can't, the people who minimize you based on your appearance and not your capability. And I think it's amazing that you were able to fight through it when most people give up and they just accept the circumstances as they're presented to them. I find that with women in particular, they, they're taught to be nice. They're taught to be compliant and they just shrink and accept that this is my plight. Right. But you're an example of what can happen if you choose to determine your own destiny. You asked me before we started recording, what's the red pill? And the red pill is choosing to live your truth. The red pill is exiting the prison that other people might put you in mm -hmm. and you walking into that space. And so you are the Harriet Tubman. You are pulling other people onto boards. You are the one who went and saw first what was going on and figured out the pattern. And now you're teaching that to other people so that you can shift the dichotomy. I think less than 1% of boards are people of color, specifically African descent. And so you're making a change. And 
that change in diversity at the top, not even on the org chart, but above the org chart working on the business will shift what happens inside the businesses so that it's more representative of what happens. That's my, that's my prayer. That's my mission. My goal is to speak truth to power. And I am power and power sits beside me. Power sits below me. No matter who power is, I will speak truth to that. Yes, man. So thank you. I just want to thank you for being a dream catcher. And my daughters are going to listen to this episode a couple of times because I want them to see somebody who has done more than what most people ever imagine is possible. And it's cool that you did more than what you saw when you were sitting in the secretary chair. That is true. I had no idea. No idea. Thank you. To the listeners, your dreams should be real. We'll catch you on the next episode. Thank you for joining the tribe today. We would love to hear from you. Please don't forget to rate, like, and share. Perhaps someone you know could benefit from what we've discussed. Until the next time, remember that your dreams should be real.